miss Zoom calls. It feels like I haven't been on one in weeks. Yeah, I know. We need to start doing more and more of these Zoom calls. You know, like it's yeah. We didn't just spend back to back to back six, ten, ten, five hour days sitting on couches <laughs> on Zooms with total strangers. You know, we should start setting up our own comics place zoom conference and do it weekly oh uh, <laughs> every thursday friday just have a couple back-to-back 10-hour days with auctions at the end and cocktail hours hey roman you're sounding way too close to feeling like this might actually be a good idea um i need you to i need you to reel that one back in because i gotta tell jango i gotta tell jango about this <laughs> I'll, I'll see him shortly so i'll definitely pass it on in quarantine episode 74 we're going to talk about that batman incorporated volume two number nine don't uh, don't call so. it a comeback <laughs> i think it's number nine yeah i believe number it was number nine. Number, nine. number nine oh number god nine. damn it. i think even two weeks ago i predicted that that was going to be a thing that happened <laughs> it was like someone's going to make that beatles reference over and over again i would have predicted it be Django. however he's not here today uh, which everyone will hear a little bit about in just a second. But Roman, great to see you. I am always I'm Jeff. And I am always as Roman, mm. sitting beside Jeff through oh. the virtual virtual nether sphere. Yeah. I just want to say huge thank you to everybody. We took a week off two weeks ago just because we had been, all of us had just been glued to uh, computer screens doing podcasts and book clubs at, and and the work stuff. And then uh, we just decided kind of the last minute we desperately needed a break. I decided I desperately needed a break. Um, took a week off in that big snowstorm that happened all over the country. But then in doing so, uh, the comic books that come into our comic shop got delayed just somewhere in the middle of the country. We didn't have comics. And then we ended up needing to sort and pick up comic books on days off that ended up actually also simultaneously being uh an event called comics pro that is kind of self-righteously named if you think about it but um an organ uh, a retailer meetup of comic store owners all over the country uh that roman and Django and i went to we usually go to it in person every year is our fourth year doing it roman's first year but because of the covid i'm not sure if y'all have heard of the covid uh we had to do it over zoom so it was very cool but it was a lot of computer time coupled with trying to make up with filing books. So my point for that is it's been an absolute whirlwind. I have no idea what day it is and there's no real end in sight for knowing what day it's going to be because next week's comics are going to be delayed as well because of the storm. And uh, I'm just, just sort of holding it together barely with the help of my, my amazing counterpart, Roman Statler. And some, and somehow we're supposed to, uh, actually read comics during these times <laughs> no. so we could actually have something to talk about on these podcasts <laughs> and those like main beef days of the comics bro you know it's like it was like it was like 10 hour back-to-back days thursday and friday um yeah and it, and it was great but so good you know i felt like such a whip because you know i have friends that were like bots andrew you know and he's a student and he works and so he's yeah. in front of computers like Usually, I think his daily life, his work life, is he's in front of a computer screen for eight hours. Yeah. But I, but I don't normally do that, and so I am so not used to that. And it it was, it was pretty rough. 
<laughs> it's so much fun, but it's so, so rough. And you know what I have the hardest time with, Roman? I just, like, can't do work at my home. Like, I have to sort of organize my schedule to do work other places. Because when I get home, it's like too many distractions. It's like, I want to play the guitar. I want to play video games. I want to hang out with my awesome girlfriend. It's, it's, it's really hard for me to like do that. So um, yeah, that was the, like in college, I did all of my schoolwork, you know, on campus at, at coffee houses. And so that was the hard thing for me was like, I'm getting up. I feel like I should just be in my bathrobe. And yet I've got a mountain of social anxiety because I'm going to have to be juggled from random Listen, I just want to give everyone a, a small idea. If your social anxiety works my way, Comics Pro, the very first day, there's you know a whole bunch of people and a whole bunch of new people were there. And the way that they started it was by like this icebreaker event where like you would just get shuffled randomly into a room of yourself and three other people for 10 minutes. You didn't know who was going to be just totally randomly. You, a total of four people would sit and talk for 10 minutes and then would shuffle and you just meet three more random people. And if that didn't, make your butthole just like pucker violently then you and i have a different anxiety trigger because it was oh it's just uh, yeah it's like this should be comfortable but also i'm a shy shy boy i have my i have my friends and i keep them close and i don't talk to other people so it was yeah i, I don't know roman you seem to deal real well with that part though did i because although the first day that we were doing it yeah it was no problem and, and i i think partly because it was my first time ever in that environment, so I didn't know what to expect exactly. So it was just boom, was thrown into it. And that was cool. And that was a lot of fun. But then on the second day, my anxiety kicked in and I okay. and I knew what to expect. So then I was like, when it came time for the round tables, then I was like, oh my God. I, oh, oh, geez. <laughs> Thanks for the too third much. <laughs> day. We set it up for me and you and Django to be in the same group. So that was good. But yeah, yeah. day two, yeah. I just sat down on the couch drinking coffee and getting more stressed out. Like, all right, in two hours, I'm going to have to talk to a whole bunch of strangers like I'm not a total goober. And I don't know if I was able to hide the goober factor, but I, th I think you did great. You sound, I mean, geez, you were, you kind of jumped right in there and was just like, so kind of with great questions to get people talking and i have a very motherly protective instinct which is when i was seeing other people uncomfortable in these zoom calls i was like i've got to make sure that they <laughs> are not uncomfortable and they feel safe uh and that's one of the only things that caused me to overcome my own anxiety is my anxiety about other people's anxiety so right right after i was in a group with you then the next very next trio i got into django was there Okay, nice. And, and neither one of you did the joke I thought we were going to do. So it's hilarious because I was all ready to pretend like we didn't know each other. Yeah, the joke was going to be that we didn't know each other, but I couldn't do that in my fit of anxiety. I was like, oh, thank God. It's a life preserver. It's like the Titanic going down and there's a buoy over there. I can grab onto it and just slowly freeze to death. Well, it's funny for me that group of Django, we were talking to a guy um, who owns Neighborhood Comics in Savannah, Georgia, mm -hmm. and Lee. Um, and right toward the end of it, I asked, he was talking about Savannah and, and I realized I asked him, Hey, do you know, Ray Gatto and who used to be one of our subscribers at the comics place. And now he's a subscriber there. Cause Ray is an instructor at the Savannah college of art or school of art, whatever they call that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, SCAD. Yeah. 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 So the guy knew him and it was funny cause I did that and I, and I caught a glimpse of Django on his, on his screen going, 
Roman knows this guy is a fan of what? Yeah. No, that's the great thing about, you know, Comics Pro. It's a small organization. Yeah. I mean, comics comics shops are a small organization, especially, you know, even after COVID. I think we lost in the last year 93 comic stores. So it's getting yeah. smaller and smaller. So definitely support your local stores, everybody. Uh, find, find a shop because everyone needs some help. That's the thing that I was walked away from comics pro if you're at all interested in hearing about uh, a little bit more about comics pro we are going to be recording our normal perfectly acceptable podcast that will go up tomorrow or the next day uh this week and you will we'll surely do a, a bit about that because we haven't really gotten uh our comics in a meaningful way in fact roman i'm going to be going to the store to take care of some work as soon as we finish this podcast do you want me to grab you some of this week's comic books that arrive to take to your house on the way home so we'll have something to talk about tonight no, because after we do this, I was also going to head down to the comics place. Okay, cool. And, and see what I could do to help you and Jane go out tomorrow, oh, the next day. <laughs> man, you're a saint. You're a saint. Love you. Okay, well then let's get into this. Uh, Batman <laughs> Incorporated, Volume 2, Number 9. Number 9. This is the follow-up to the sad, sad death of our precious, precious boy. And we miss him dearly. And this is actually kind of a... I mean, not, not surprisingly, but it's a relatively somber issue... What I was surprised about was how quick I made it through it. There was a lot of uh, feeling in it as opposed to words. And I think that's probably the right way to handle a death, post-death issue. I don't know. What do you think about that, Romy? Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good summation of it because it did seem, it almost seemed to go too quickly in a way. I, I was surprised right. when I reached the end. But yeah, a lot, of, a lot of feeling. There's like one of the most intense moments we've ever seen between Bruce and Alfred. For real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think in looking back on my first read of Batman Incorporated, I did feel a little bit like we didn't really wade through the the depressive waters of having lost Damien. And I do think that's a good thing and a bad thing. I think it is advantageous. Morrison said he didn't want to have, you know, a whole bunch of issues of Batman just moping around. And I think, I think that's a good choice because I think it would have felt laborious near the end of this run because they're really kind of shooting towards the finish line but at the same time the loss of Damien who's kind of been a moral compass or at the heart of this run I guess is a better word to have him be lost I, I the gravity of that is something that I wouldn't mind feeling quite a bit and there is some sad in this issue but we'll see how these next couple go and if we if we really feel it or not yeah yeah and, and I remember first time I read this it was a surprise the last issue when he was actually killed because even though you know dc let the cat out of the bag and media blew it and everything and everybody knew it was going to happen that issue i still thought expected that oh yeah he's not going to really be dead it's going to be like the other couple times he was supposedly dead right <laughs> so, right yeah it was it was impactful but so this so the, the kind of framing device of this issue i do like it's sort of told as a two-pronged narrative one in in the present ish moment it's not the present in the sense of the very first bit of issue one of this volume where it shows uh, Bruce standing in front of two gravestones and Gordon coming to arrest him. This is him standing in front of one gravestone and it is raining, but we're sort of dealing with him after he's escaped from the battle where Damien died interspersed with a bunch of flashbacks of the fallout of that battle. And when Damien died and what I really liked Roman is that, in, and I didn't actually realize it until my second time through today, is that all of the panels and scenes of the present moment of the funeral and him in the cave 
all the paneling is right angles. It's boxes and squares. And then mm. all of the flashback scenes, all, all of the th moments of him thinking about that death and that battle are all angled, tilted, wow, yeah. diagonal. And I just didn't, I didn't realize that. Is that true in your issue? Because I do know that there's some fill-in art, um, some fill-in pages by Jason Masters in there. Like the, the battle yeah. scenes, that's all yeah. angular. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it. Well, except... No, yeah, it is true. I, I was thinking it, there was an exception, but no, this is Talia and, and Fatherless standing on the rooftop of the rain. That's not a battle scene. So yeah, the battle scenes are all angular and, and like kind of reminiscent of the Batman TV show and the action. Yeah. So just a really great way of, I think, organizing this dual narrative, which on the surface can be a little bit jarring as it jumps around throughout this issue, I, I felt. Yeah, yeah. First, you you have to reorient yourself a couple times. So when it shows fatherless, you know, gloating with the sword that he just used to kill Damien, our precious, precious boy. We did mention on the last episode that this is the sword. It's a it's like a ancient Wayne family heirloom. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the ancient Wayne's swords. What I didn't realize is that the story that that is mentioned in is the i think alan grant frank quietly british connection is what i read today yeah. which you know anytime i can talk about frank quietly i'll do it so I, I love that you know morrison intentionally made sure to throw a story reference in there that also pointed at his good buddy frank yeah so that means this sword was designed by frank quietly right oh my gosh you're probably right <laughs> this is a oh. quietly sword <laughs> oh God, it makes me like it even more. <laughs> we see Bruce just like fighting fatherless, barefoot and gloveless, which you don't think would be as jarring as it is when you hear it, but as you're looking at it and he's like <laughs> breaking swords with his feet and punching like masked people with steel things, like his hands are getting even more fugged up. Yeah, because he's punching fatherless, but fatherless has like an iron helmet on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, until he does, you know, goes right for the kisser and shoves all four of his fingers into the eyes of Fatherless. Yeah, shredding up his fingers on the what's left of the visor. Yeah, which is so rad. But yeah, I, I thought that was a really great moment to have him shove his fingers. We've just been chipping away at that weakness. You know, it was like three or four issues ago, I feel like, that Squire, you know, shot him with a slingshot right there in his eye. So they've just been this he's a hulking muscle and the only way that they can really do it is by you know one person falling by just making a hole in the armor and another person falling by trying to take advantage and i just i really like that uh almost david and goliath biblical thing yeah and even the way fatherless looks because we because we can't see other than his hand we can't see any of his flesh so he is like this walking this walking fortress this walking tower like castle tower yeah they're trying to lay siege to and i do i love when he tears off his outfit and his design his costume is you know it's a wanting batman costume right like it's an yeah. armored batman costume and i really like we'll follow up on it a little bit later here but with his dialogue of just like well i killed damien and you know i now i am batman which i read someone's or morrison talking about I think just that that desire for every child kind of wants to be Batman. Damien, you know, didn't want to be a League of Assassin person. He wanted to be Batman. And then Fatherless kills Damien. But even still, he's biologically the same amount of a son as Damien is to Bruce. But 
he also wants to be Batman. And I, you know, like Batman was my first favorite thing as a child. There's something young boys want to be Batman, young girls, you know, many as well, I'm sure. Yeah. Was well, that great costume? Yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and of course we get another scene of someone threatening to break backs. Cause that's just, you know, what you do to Batman, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, that, sorry, please. No, that next, and yeah, that next page is one of the, potentially confusing pages for for the reader because the top and bottom panels of the page are uh the wayne family at damien's grave but then the three middle panels are the action sequence flashback of the fight with fatherless well particularly dick um nightwing's fight with fatherless right. before right. he said something that's so well done because then he because then that goes into dick asking bruce something and then that puts us in that sequence of of events and framed by like two right angled, perfectly aligned panels at the top and bottom, acting as the segue within the flashback angled damage shots between it. So just a uh, really fluid storytelling. I do want to, I really labored on the, the page just before that of Damien's body laying there with his little cape over his face and, you know, mm -hmm. Dick saying, no, no, no. Like what that really hit me more this time than, than last time. Yeah, it, yeah, and because yeah, because of that, I because I read it twice, also once last night, once this morning, and I was like, oh god, I don't want to. That's such a technically, it's such a well done panel, but I don't want to look at that panel right. very much. It's just and, and poor Damon, you know, he's in the foreground. It's like you can't not look at it, and you don't want to look at it. And it's like, wow, that's 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 just so damn effective. Yeah, they're they know what they're doing, and then I liked that. Well, so we, we get another shot of just Batman kind of giving a eulogy. And I really liked the brevity of his eulogy, but also just how evocative it was. Like Damian Wayne, my son, struck our lives like a bolt of lightning, a brief, unforgettable thunderstroke. And now he's gone. Like just th that is a very evocative, uh, you know, short, much like what he's saying. It's just a very powerful jolt of emotion and then done. Yeah, yeah, and it was a nice, and it's also kind of a nice build just on the the purpose of Robin, I think, in the Batman mythos that, yeah, he's supposed to be, and just like Dick, the first Robin was kind of a bolt of lightning, but Damien even more so because he was such, I mean, it's, it's cliche to say, but such kind of a little miniature force of nature. <laughs> no, um, you're <laughs> for sure. And, you know, to that point, like, um, the first Robin was like a bolt of lightning in that it taught Bruce he needed a partner and it also brought a degree of levity to his life. Robin was in, in, in so many ways an instructional force, right? Yeah. Um, so too was Damien, this lightning bolt that came in and didn't teach him that he needed a partner, but it taught him that he is a father and that he has a son and how to be a father. So yeah, the you're right. Just that the instructional role of Robin as it, you know reoccurs in batman's life robin is this thing that is kind of like a ladder or a step for batman to learn these lessons whether they survive or not it's a great yeah, yeah. statement about just partnerships and camaraderie and the the use of other people in your life yeah 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 it always it always is each of his robins has been there to you know to, to remind bruce that no you're not alone <laughs> And each one does that in such specific, great ways. Yeah. We then see this funeral procession for 
knight who has died and we see squire barrel uh, in mourning and i i like the juxtaposition of the previous page of that is damien's funeral and it's four people to clandestine meeting in the rain followed by an entire country mourning and television and the princes crying referencing this spring heel jack story that may or may not have ever happened and it's I, I, you know, there's something there about that juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the fact that the, uh, the gloominess and, and solitariness of the bat family and it's all secret and, and you go to England and yeah, Knight's funeral is, it's a nationwide event of mourning and grief, which, which, you know, you have to grieve however, but I, I don't know. My gut feeling is like, wow, this, nationwide grieving and, and recognizing the hero's fall is a healthier way to get through it than this secretive thing in the rain just the four of you and that that's good it's harder community is easier makes it easier to deal with the with loss i think than this tiny little small community which you know well we'll, we'll get there it's bruce you know you know how he deals with things yeah <laughs> not so great but yeah exactly like there's i think it kind of irons down or pounds down that idea of like the sadness of the loss of Damien it's it's you know what it's so to me it really drives home the point of like there was so much more for him to do like there was a lot of life left for him he died young like he didn't even know people he didn't get to have this impact and so yeah you know it really speaks to the loss of the potential for the life that he was going to live so it's it you know the symbolism there I, I, I really really dig and I really dig yeah. how Beryl just bounces back. She's sitting there, great Burnham work, drawing sadness in eyes, but just the way that it communicates how sad she is by all of the tissues on the couch with her. Yeah, I love the fact that that was so touching that, you know, and, and, and she's watching the funeral and the newscaster is saying how Squire is nowhere to be seen and that's because she's so devastated. She's been sitting on the couch in her, in her, in her jammies surrounded by crumpled tissues crying and she just can't be there in public for that because it's just too much. I also like the little, just the light little nod here that they have Prince William and, and Harry and William, the princes are both there and what, I forget what year this came out, but but it's just nice seeing them. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's an interesting, it's, it's not the first time, particularly in this last volume, that like he's really tied these things to a specific moment you know like a, a political person or in fact on this uh the following page after barrel uh recruits um wingman or night ranger yeah it's yeah. ranger yeah ranger. Dark, dark dark ranger um but somebody was saying that i presume in the bottom right panel as they're talking about the lazarus pit that presumably this is the prime minister of the last panel is david cameron you didn't come here to read how loathsome I find that man. So I'll say no more, but I don't know anything about, <laughs> do you know anything about that guy? I, uh, you know, I don't remember any particulars, just the fact that, yeah, he was some kind of jerk or sleazeball. I don't even remember any details and apologies to our, our UK listeners. Cause I should, but <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'll put my foot in my mouth if I try to say anything, but I appreciate <laughs> somebody pointing that out and maybe he's loved among certain people or not amongst other people. Maybe we'll hear some feedback from our wonderful listeners about yeah. who exactly that person was Roman. What I, th these next two pages are the rain soaked drenched scenes of the funeral. There's a really 
Well, let's, I mean, before we get to my favorite page, let's talk about this, the conversation between he and Alfred. You're right. It is one of the most brutal scenes between the two of them we've ever seen. I'm interested in hearing what your interpretation of that was. I was shocked. I mean, I'm sure I was the first time and even the second and third times I was like, man, because Bruce doesn't yell at him or anything. They're just standing there together. Dick and Tim have walked off, um, which was another great panel at the top of the page because they're walking off and, and Dick is behind Tim and he's got his hand on Tim's shoulder. And, you know, Dick is always such, he's such a good guy and they're all yeah. good guys, but he's so nurturing. But anyway, yeah, at least Bruce and, and Alfred there at this grave and Bruce's body language. I mean, geez, his shoulders are, are rigid and locked. His fists are balled up at his side. And he just says, Alfred, you allow Damien to leave the cave against my express instructions. And the look on Alfred's face and the way he says, sir, I was sure he could look after himself. I, I had no idea, sir. <laughs> and Bruce doesn't even turn around. And Alfred, I love how he's, Alfred's behind him and he's obscured in the rain. The rain is so heavy. So the folk, the camera focuses on Bruce's face and he just says, take a vacation, Alfred. We'll talk when this is over. So I was sort of wondering, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Do you think he was saying, take a vacation, like, the cave isn't safe, everything's been compromised, and for your safety, I need you out of here. It certainly is, I think, meant to seem like he's angry at him, but there was a part of me that was like, those two love each other. Is this, like, is this Bruce just saying, like, maybe if I need to feign anger or whatever, but what I need is for you out of here because it's not safe, and I don't know that we're actually going to be able to pull this next thing off, and you're the only family I've got left. I, I guess I wanted to believe an amount of that because I don't want to see Alfred and, and Bruce fight I would hope that Bruce, you know, would be reasonable about understanding, you know, Alfred's role in that. Yeah, yeah, and I would hope so too. I, uh, I, th I mean, I like to think it's both, and I think later on maybe Bruce, or maybe it was in Doc Walk's write-up of this issue, but that that's true. I, I but I think it's both. I mean, realistically, because yeah. yeah, Bruce is angry, um, and he doesn't lash out at alfred and anything alfred knows him so well he's surprised and he and that's what alfred is thinking i'm sure is that oh shit bruce is pissed off at me and, and he's not gonna fire me or something as he's not gone that far right but i think there's some of that in there and it's part of the reason bruce doesn't turn around because he is so angry and yeah. he doesn't want to turn around and you know say something he'll regret to his his father figure well, and so another interesting thing is I read uh, a comment on a forum from somebody about this, and they had pointed out that in the month or two prior to this, it was during the New 52 death of the family run, which Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo had done. Um, and what they had said is uh, this issue's publication, all the bat titles were wrapped up in the death of a family crossover from Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder. There was a lot of speculation that Alfred would be killed off at the end of that crossover something which ultimately didn't happen. Spoilers for that. The breakdown of his relationship with Bruce here reflects much more what Snyder was trying to achieve with Death of the Family, a sort of anti-Morrison ideal of a loner Batman who isn't propped up by an extensive Bat family. No doubt Morrison uh, will address once again what a folly that is by the end of the run. So I wonder if there was an amount of trying to fit you know, this whole new 52 canon in with this of like the family, because that was like the whole family kind of lost faith in Bruce because he wasn't being honest with him. And so I wonder 
if there's some sort of side commentary or meta commentary there. Uh, yeah, yeah, there may be. The following page that I love so much, and I just think this is a brilliant page by Chris Burnham, is that this whole scene is like washed and rain soaked. And in this page, we have the silhouette of Batman's face drawn through the falling rain and then a sh- like a show of his face and then close up on his eyes. And what he's not doing is crying. He hasn't been able to cry. And these yeah. tears and this falling water and the fact that the tears are drawing his face behind him, I, I just that juxtaposition, that feeling of, inability to express this incredible sadness himself he can only really do it through revenge and anger but you know there's still this thing about tears and water and his face i i just there's all i think there's a very powerful thing being said in that page it's not i I, it's the only time that burnham's done a giant sort of like face silhouette in the back of the sky or something like that yeah yeah oh that's a nice point because, yeah, it's, it's Bruce can't cry, so the heavens are crying around him. Wow, doing it for him. Yeah. We got this crazy back at the the cops. And we just want to get a couple-page sequence that highlights Gotham and what's going on with Talia now, and just that it's the second day of these terrorists occupying Wayne Tower. They're saying it's because Wayne's been involved with Batman, Batman Incorporated thing. The hopelessness of this situation hit me this time, whereas I think it didn't reading reading them separated by a month as they were published. Like just and like the kids are not all right, you know, and there's like the parents can't trust the kids and the kids are loving violence and that gorgeous shot by Burnham of the two parents looking at each other while the kids are fascinated by the violence on TV and and yeah. this, the generational battle that I think has been an undercurrent of this it really comes to a forefront here and it's something I hadn't really picked up on before. I hadn't either, because yeah, the the newscaster. I mean, these kids, these mind mind influenced kids, influenced by Leviathan, they're still out rioting in the streets and attacking cops, and, <laughs> and kids at home eating their cereal are just like cool. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's really ominous. People being hung. I'm not sure exactly where the J- Chris Burnham pages are not, but I have a suspicion it's maybe these two pages. Maybe yeah. Not. It's funny on the credits because they say who, where the, uh, which pages are done by the fill-in artists, but then there's no page numbers in the. Oh, you gotta love that. In my reproduction here, my reprint. We learned something important here, which is Talia says, "You killed Damien. You killed him before I gave an order." Fatherless says he was there. I made a decision on my own, which then irons this thing out. Which is like Talia, you're not able to control these things that you're making. Much like parents can't control their children. Like you think that you're raising these things to do your bidding and be your soldiers, but you can't you can't ever fully control your children. So I I like that even fatherless, the one that she's really got under her thumb is sort of doing his own shit at this point. And she says, don't call me mother. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great showing that Talia, even though she on one level, she's this, you know, classic like Bondian type villain underneath all that, you know, she's a desperate mother. She's a desperate, angry mother. I mean, she has, I mean, certainly it is certainly true in one way that she's a spurned lover, been abandoned by, you know, the man she truly loved. So yeah, she's not just a one-dimensional villain character. Right. You know, it's interesting. I've been watching a lot of documentaries about Nirvana lately and Kurt Cobain or just music in general, but 
you know, Kurt Cobain, especially before he died, was talking about how like, yeah, I wasted a lot of my life complaining about something I had no control over, which is the falling apart of a family. He would have been 54 yesterday on the day of recording. And wow, really? that's, yeah, right. Which means he's been dead now for as long as he was alive, which is very interesting to me. Wow. But yeah. I, I think that Morrison is in that age group with him. You know, I, I can't remember how old Morrison is, but I think he's in his mid 50s. All that to say, my generation, and we've talked about it in the past, I think I, we talked just about divorce and the role of divorce that it plays, but it's, you know, it's, I, I think my generation is a little bit more at peace with the commonality of divorce. Interesting that just sort of another person from the gender, this is all sort of a, Morrison has said a meditation on unhealthy relationships and the, the children and people that caught get caught between bad parenting. And uh, it's, it's an interesting interesting dynamic just based on what you just said about yeah she is she's a spurned lover and a a desperate desperate mother who you know is out of feels out of control and powerless and everything she does to fix it makes things worse and it's yeah, it's just a interesting conversation that i think is particularly pertinent to the damage of to the generation of ahead of me yeah yeah i, I agree and it's not and it's not to say that She's a sympathetic good mother. She wasn't a good mother, but she is. There's sympathetic things about her situation, right? Then when we see the mayor of Gotham having this conversation, you can kind of see Morrison starting to put the toys back in the box. Here, he's you know they're banning the Batman. They're banning Batman Incorporated. They they reference a really an actual existing thing, which is the Military Extraterritorial Jurisdiction Act, which had something to do with America being able to prosecute like people in Iraq or something. Uh, I was reading, but we're sort of starting to see that like this incorporated thing that was going to, you know seemed like a huge departure from Batman. He's kind of starting to reel that back in and do what all writers have to do, which is ultimately return Batman back to what he was when they started. So. In, it just interesting that stood out to me this time we're like oh we're starting to clean things up a little bit we've only got three issues left so yeah that struck me too and and, and i love the the three panels at the bottom where uh, uh gordon and bullock are standing there up on the stage too and and bullock is just kind of silently going you know pointing to his lapel so jim to remind jim oh turn your lapel down because you've got a batman incorporated um <laughs> button communicator there underneath on your lapel turn it down so the cameras can't see it <laughs> night is that a burnham page for you or is that a fill in art page i i think it's burnham the faces certainly look like burnham's i interpreted that gesture that bullock was doing as like the gesture of like when you you know like the undertaker you do the cut your throat gesture oh for me his you know his fingers pointed to that lapel but i interpreted it incorrectly you're obviously right that that is totally him saying hey this you got that button you need to hide it but i didn't notice that at first so i thought it was sort of speaking to this like we're on our way out you know like they're <laughs> yeah. they're coming yeah. after us but you're right I, I loved bullock you know Braden, who works at the comic shop and hasn't been on this podcast but it's just one of a one of the wonderful people in the world but he, he whatever reason loves harvey bullock <laughs> and and it's he has all these kind of strange character fascinations that I, i'm always like wow that's interesting you love juggernaut for some reason but um it, I, I liked this that's a powerful moment for bullock he's he's been a i like when he's portrayed as a rock you know and not just sort of yeah. a the drinking smoking cop that's not is reliable me too me too i mean yeah i don't like it when he's just portrayed as a buffoon because 
because he's not he's a slob but he's not right. a buffoon <laughs> right exactly uh gosh okay so what i'm excited to hear your thoughts on is we see that tim and dick have noticed that wingman who is todd jason todd got knocked out and but they say um when they nabbed wingman and knocked him out right the bloke must have peed himself trails bright as day do you think do you think jason todd got knocked out and peed himself or you think he intentionally peed himself so people would follow him wait are you making a funny where's this peed peed himself thing it's on the page where it's got spiral, like Jason Todd is locked, like sitting in a chair with all of the. Uh-huh. And then on the panel, two pa- the panel above it, uh, Night Ranger says, "Fellas, I found it." When they oh. nabbed Wingman and knocked him out, right? The bloke must have peed himself. Oh yeah, okay. God, I I, I remember laughing at that, but then I forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? Do you think he intentionally did it as a way of having everyone know where he went, or do you think it was a? was a foible it's got to be intentional right yeah i I certainly hope it was intentional i mean these are speaking of comics pros i mean these guys are all professional superheroes like i hope something as simple as being knocked out didn't just make him release his bladder but also it could be a nice batman or sorry grant morrison being like that's his comeuppance for uh all of the shit that happened in batman and robin volume two with him like showing up and scarlet and the mask and being a dick so you know, like, uh, I don't know, let's, t- let's take the piss out of him a little bit, literally. Yeah, maybe it's a reference to Jason Todd being the original, especially originally the, the most childish of all the Robins. Yep. Our final sequence here is Bruce alone once again, uh, kind of back at the beginning of all things, alone, getting ready to go out and take down this thing, and he's clearly sorrowful. He's stitching himself up because he doesn't have Alfred. He's putting medicine on his giant fucked up face he's taking painkillers he's using those computers with the silly bat horns to (laughs) clarify that damien is dead he picks up his costume and actually my favorite part of the issue is when he walks up to bat cow and he says bat cow but it's in quotations because he's like saying it like damien and then bat cow just says moo and it's the saddest cow face i've ever seen in my entire adult life why did you have to put that in my brain chris burnham i love bat cow yeah yeah that that's a sad cow um <laughs> no getting around that and yeah this is a beautiful sequence too and it's all other than batman saying bat cow and the cow responding there's no there's no text 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 balloons there's no dialogue and that final page you know I, I love leading up to after he talks to bat cow he's framed by just the black silhouette of the cave and the stack stalactites, lights to, and then the last page he's just pitches his head back and is screaming but we don't hear that it's a silent another silent page and the bats flying everywhere it's a great you know batman scene but again it's like, man, Bruce, do you, are you ever going to learn? You don't have to be alone, which is the whole point of, you know, the page before that with Dick organizing Batman Incorporated crew. But of course, Bruce is alone in the cave again, and it's the only time he can really express his emotions when he's alone. And he's right. already told Alfred, don't have to do this alone. It's like, no, you don't have to do it alone. That's the whole point. One of the points for this run. <laughs> and like the bat cow thing is just that when Damien named bat cow and decided to take him in and decided he's a vegetarian the first issue of this last volume of the run 
to me, that was sort of the moment when Damien was no longer acting as a hero by Bruce's moral compass. And like, I don't kill these people. Or I do this because Batman says this is good. He was, he was moved. He wanted to save this cow. He needed to take it in. And to me, that was kind of a, a moment of a real growth for him. So the fact that he's dead and now Batman is alone in the cave with this cow and the cow is sad, as silly as it is, it's also like heartbreaking. Cause I do, you know, that's to me, the, I, as weird as it is, the legacy of Damien is so tied to bat cow in my mind. I love it. It's just this cute, ridiculous thing that in the nature of Damien is cute and ridiculous. And I don't know, as, as silly as it is, it really broke my fucking heart. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, oh man, these guys, great comic book creators impress me so much with their work. Because yeah. you saying that made me realize, yeah, you know, these last two panels of this issue, it could have been Bruce, you know, putting his arms around Batcow's neck and nuzzling into his fur and hugging the cow. And, you know, all of us that have pets know how nice that feels to just to, to hug your pet. But no, he says, he speaks to the cow, but then he walks off to be alone in that other part of the cave. And, you know, Bruce can't even do that much to allow himself to, you know, hug an animal that meant something to his son. And I love that he says bat cow, but it's written in quotation mark because it's almost like yeah. him just like remembering the silly, beautiful absurdity of his son, bat cow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. And then, and then the funny next issue... <laughs> panel at the bottom that's totally done in the style of the tv show and dude that logo speaks to me so deeply that's like my primary batman like visual memories of that red you know in the head with the top of the cape coming down like oh i just that's so classic batman to me yeah oh yeah such a oh. such a good issue i mean even just talking about it made me sort of labor through it a little bit more and, and pause with those moments be, and you know feel it a little bit deeper because it is it is sad and great and when you're making quickly going through a book it's easy to not really linger on those silent pages or those textless balloons and panels so yeah just a really nice really good thing yeah yeah it really is i mean jesus such a great run and that the end of that issue i was just talking about just man i just want to say that anybody listening you're not alone you don't have to be alone. There's good. There's somebody that's gonna, that's that cares. <laughs> this series just reminds me of that. Right. Um, I've got a couple of emails to get to before we get out of here and go back to work. Uh, first is from Chris Buckite. Uh, hey, quarantine man, that Burnham can draw people being sad, right? I started to write about Bruce's face on page one, then thought about the animal how he lets out on the final page. But I think the page where uh, he's with bat cow is where it really hit me the most i'm with you chris <laughs> anyway i just thought i'd share a few batman morrison related things i'd come across the first was the bizarre adaptation of the circus of strange into a batman story for kids he, he posted a couple links in here i'll put those in the show notes for everybody uh but he posts a link following that and he says uh which means my three-year-old daughter now knows what who professor pig is and i'm not sure how to feel about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that was adapted into like the batman an animated series for kids oh yeah uh, the second is that Ra's al ghul doesn't have eyebrows 
Not sure why I ne- <laughs> never noticed this before. I guess I've always mistaken the dark circles around his eyes for eyebrows. And of course, there's plenty of times he's just drawn incorrectly. But looking at issue 10, Burnham totally nails it. I thought I saw Tom King say something about it recently, but I can't find that. The only thing I could find is this excerpt from an interview with Morrison and Neil Adams. So I have no idea how I came across it. And I'll, I'll post that link as well. It is interesting. Ra's al Ghul doesn't have eyebrows. And I do, Chris Burnham particularly, I feel like draws him without eyebrows. I'm trying to remember if there's... Did he have him in like the animated series? That's what I'm wondering now because I I I would assume that's an artistic choice of different artists, and I can't remember. I assume Neil Adams, who created them, I think, yeah, uh, drew him with eyebrows, but I can't remember now. Uh, and this is for anybody who doesn't know. This is an interesting moment uh, as well. But the last uh, was Morrison coming out as non-binary last year. While there are clear lines to be drawn to their other bodies of work, I'm not sure that it has any real bearing on this Batman stories. But I thought it was worth noting. So I'll tap a, a link to that article as well. So there's just three cool links I'm going to toss into the show notes for this email. That if anyone is hungry for a little bit more uh, Morrison tidbits, factuals, num noms, uh, you can check those out. And then before we get out of here, I've got a voicemail from the young and beautiful Will Elmer, who, gosh, I hope he's doing all right after the bat cow scene, because we all know how (laughs) Will Elmer feels about bat cow. Let's see. Well, um, before reading this issue, I thought about um, writing in or or voice memoing in about how Damien's death hadn't quite emotionally uh, hit me. Not that it's not, you know, expertly crafted and just incredibly well done. Um, I just, I personally sometimes have a hard time, you know, feeling the gut punch of a character death, especially when, you know, I have, you know, the knowledge that that character will be alive again at some point, you know, later on in, in comics and another writer's run. Um, so it didn't didn't quite give me that gut punch last uh, last week, despite how good the issue was. Um, however, seeing that goddamn sad bat cow was just devastating. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm not, uh, it was, it was rough. Like that one, that one hit me hard reading that last night. Um, goddamn is good. <laughs> oh, I've been really digging these final few issues and, uh, Looking forward to having you guys uh, hold my hand through this last bit here. Thanks for all you guys do. God, love you, Chris and Will. So thanks for chiming in. Yeah, I, I just, I totally agree with what Will said. Just that, especially knowing that it was, you know, going to happen or they were going to be coming back with Damien, that is, uh, it, it just it needed this moment to sort of slow down and feel it and even going through it you know, I was working on feeling it and trying to process it in the respect that I felt like it deserved, but it really was the bat cow scene and the kind of like tear wash thing, but particularly the bat cow scene that really made me feel that loss or just that feeling of like, when you're, when you lose somebody, when you're haunted by or haunted or reminded by the things that they left you, you know, and that that's what bat cow serves as now. It's just a really beautiful idea. Yeah. Yeah. it really wasn't hearing you and Will talk about it. I was like, yeah, I, I, I think I kind of, I mean, I appreciated it when I read it, but I appreciate it even more now. It's, and now it's got me thinking, well, where's Damien's cat? But I'm, you know, 
it's a cat. It's off somewhere in the cave trying to kill a bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been I've been really wanting to buy you a cat for your birthday, but I know that you <laughs> have reservations about it. But I just think you need a goddamn cat, Roman. I know it's been it's been too long. I haven't had a a pet, and you know my whole life I've always had cats, dogs, birds, fish, everything. <laughs> and I'll come over and feed that animal anytime you're gone. So don't you worry about it. Um, well, on that note, this emotionally devastating issue, uh, I think we'll probably head on out of here. Uh, once again, I, I haven't checked the Facebook group in just a couple of days, but I didn't hear any complaint or any negativity or anyone making us feel bad about missing a week and being late. So no, that just no. speaks to the really wonderful strength and support that this community has given us. Love it. Deeply, deeply grateful to all of you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being patient with us. We're going to imagine be back on track for these next three weeks as we finish off this run and hold everyone's hand and collectively hug and cry together. Um, but uh, Roman, anything else you got before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, I just repeat what, what you just said. Thank you to everybody. Yeah. Nobody in the Facebook group was, was angry at us or anything at all. Nothing negative at all about needing to take a break. Just too much piled on this past week yeah yeah the past two weeks have been insane and and a reminder perfectly acceptable podcast i've heard some people say like well i don't really read weekly comics so i can't listen to it. but we cover a lot of issue number ones and we try to just sort of keep people abreast of the things happening in the comic industry so even if you're not uh not super into keeping up with a ton of weekly books we talk about a lot of new ones and it's a nice way to just even stay informed or if you're someone who likes to just have some company when they're alone with other folks talking about or feeling like you're in a shop it's a good thing to check into. So that's perfectly acceptable podcast. Yeah, we'll see everybody next Thursday and uh, look forward to it. Thanks for being here, Roman. Well, thank you, Jeff, as always. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next week. This was Batman in Quarantine 74. 74.